0: Welcome to the Sermon Cast from King Road Church. It's our desire that God uses this message to bring you closer to Him. If you'd like to pray with someone, speak with one of our pastors, or if you're looking for more resources, please go to kingroad.ca, scroll down on the homepage, and fill out the Reach Out fillable. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for the darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. O that you would slay the wicked, O God! O men of blood, depart from me! They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies." Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous ways in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This is the word of the Lord.
1: So let me pray, and then we'll dive into this. Father, we're grateful for your word. Thank you that we can sing that you're worthy of our praises, and that you chose us before the foundation of the world. So we ask now that as we study your word together that would you, by your spirit, speak to me, speak to us, encourage us, and draw us to you and remind us who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the early 1980s, there was a band called The Police. They released a song Paul is nodding his head. Yes, there's a band called Police. You're familiar with that, right? Yeah. They they released a song called Every Breath You Take. I want you to listen to these lyrics very carefully. They're, they're, They're interesting, okay? It says this. Every breath you take and every move you make, every bond you break, every step you take, I will be watching you. Every single day, and every word you say, every game you play, every night you stay, I will be watching you. With every step you take, every move you make, and every vow you break, every smile you fake, every claim you stake, I'll be watching you. (laughs) It's pretty scary, (laughs) isn't it? I mean, they call the police for a reason, I guess. They're watching you. I say this because what we just read, Psalm 139, you search me, God knows all of this. And that's what we're going to study. The context of this is, is, is being God being the judge who, who has all of our information, all of our knowledge, who knows everything about us, so that when there's time for judgment, he can fairly judge us, okay? So four truths that we're going to learn this morning, four. First one is God knows everything, We cannot deceive him. Verses 1 to 6. God knows everything. We cannot deceive him. Verse 1. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord... Know it completely. God knows it, not the police. God knows it. The verb search means to examine. Examine with pain. And also comes, produces or tells us with care. That that you search us with care. So David says to God, you have searched me. It's present perfect tense. It's done. The investigation is completed. He said, "You, you have searched me. You know all about me. So if God knows everything, can we deceive him? The answer is no. Yet we read that Adam and Eve tried it. Cain in Genesis 4, 1 to 15 tried it. And even David in 2 Samuel 11 and 12 tried it too. And all of them discovered that God knows everything everything. We cannot deceive him. The fact that God knows us intimately is asserted four different times in verses 1, 2, 4, 14, and verse 24. He knows our actions, our locations, our thoughts, even what you're thinking right now, what I'm thinking right now. He knows all of this, Half of you just staring at me, but you're thinking about something else. God's watching and he he knows all of this. (laughs) Why? Because it's for our good and our care that he knows everything. Our life is like naked to him. The writer of Hebrews uh, in chapter 4 verse 13 reminds us this, that, that no creature is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him, to him to whom we must give account. He knows what's best for us. He knows when we sit and we lie down, when we do everything. So the question I should ask you, or we should all ask ourselves, if God knows us and He knows everything about us, How should we live? And how are we living? As I was driving this morning to the church, that that thought, like, if I'm driving now, whatever I'm thinking, God, you know this, so I better, my thoughts be clear and good. Because God knows all of this. Time to time, you know when kids try to trick the parents and try to lie? So my... Seven, she's eight now, turned eight three days ago. She, time to time in the morning, I'll ask, hey, Phoenix, did she brush your teeth? Yeah, daddy. And you know, it's obvious that she's not telling you the truth. So here's what I say. You should use this. Phoenix, should I ask Jesus? Because he will tell me the truth. Daddy, boy, you have to ask Jesus, come on. (laughs) Ah, okay. Okay, I'll go brush my teeth right now. Because Jesus knows everything. So it works. So God knows everything about us. Therefore, how should we live matters. It's important. And then in verse 5, he says, You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. The word hem is, is to enclose me, is, is a hedge of protection in some translation. it's You, you have a hedge around me. You have encircled me. You, you ever wondered in your homes, you have fences. You have little gates by the staircase. Why? Because you want to protect your kids. That's, that's a form of protection, a hedge. You have baby cameras in your room for the kids while they're sleeping, the little ones? That, that's a form of care and protection. And when he says that you hem me in behind and before, you lay your hand upon me. He's referring to God, God, you got me from every angle. I am in good hands. So with this knowledge, what should be the response? Gratitude thank you. You know, the, the teenagers these days, they think like, oh, mom and dad, you know nothing about life. Really? We've been a teenager once too. So we know a thing or two. So if parents are watching you teenagers because they actually care about you, they love you. So don't tell them you don't know anything. Right, Toby? Yeah, amen to that. They love you and they protect you, they care for you. That, that's why they're watching you. They, they, they got this, this circle around you so that you, you don't stumble. You don't do anything that, that will cause you troubles. So David said, God, you know me. You had me in behind and before. And then what does he say? He's such knowledge, is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. He's so overwhelmed with, with this knowledge that God knows everything about me. He's like, I cannot attain any of this. It's so good. Therefore, he simply wants to be in his presence. Search me. And he acknowledges. he's like, you know when I sit down and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar, you discern my going out and life, everything is open to you. So God knows everything, we cannot deceive him. Second, God is everywhere, we cannot escape him. God is everywhere, we cannot escape escape him. Verse seven to 12. Think about this for a moment. David realized that God knows everything. Now, when someone knows everything about the other person, what's the response? You want to run. Because David knows that God knows all my shortcomings. He knows the deception. He knows all his sins. Everything. So the best thing you could do is just run. And yet David said like, verse 7, he's like, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths of In the depths you are there. If I rise up on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will uphold me fast. Verse 11, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. For darkness is as light to you. So the smartest thing is to run. But where? There's no way to run because he's everywhere. You know this because Adam and Eve tried to hide and failed. And God shows up. Jonah, remember the story of Jonah? What a guy. God tell him to go to instead, what does he do? He runs the opposite direction to Tarshish. Not only that, see, he wants to run so badly because he doesn't want to do what God's asking him to do. He's like, okay, I'm gonna go this. He pays fair. Uh, chapter one, verse five says, but Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into deep slay. He thought like below the ship he can hide. But God's still there. Jeremiah 23, verse 24 teaches us that can a, man, can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and the earth, declares the Lord? God's everywhere. So listen, if you and I want to enjoy life, we do need God's presence, do we not? If we want to feel, fulfill his purposes, we need his presence with us. So why run? Because even in your darkest moments you need God. And that knowledge is good to have that the God's everywhere that you can say that even though I walk through the valley of the valley of the dark, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And Psalm 138, verse 7 reminds us, though I walk in midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. So no matter where I go, where I hide, where I run, God is everywhere. He's here with us right now. With such assurance that God's here, we should ask, Where can I run? Because if you don't run, He's there. So God's everywhere, we cannot escape Him. And third, this would be a bit longer, just so you know, giving you a heads up God created us, we cannot ignore Him. God created us, we cannot ignore him. First, we learn that God knows everything, we cannot deceive him. Second, we learn that God's everywhere, we cannot escape him. And third, God created us, we cannot ignore him. Verses 13 to 16, we see that here. What does David say? That God's concern for life begins in the womb. God's concern For life begins in the womb. The one who created David also knows every detail about David's life. Because he's the one who knitted him, formed him, created him. So David knows that he does not exist by accident. God himself was involved when he was formed. And this truth does not only apply to David, it also applies to us as well. That we are not here by accident. We are created and formed by God. Genesis 1, 27 reminds us, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female he created us he planned our lives and continues to form us into his own image so therefore David through this psalm reminds us that every human being is precious to God this knowledge should shape our attitude towards abortion to genocide to human trafficking, oppression, or injustice that undermines human dignity. We must uphold the God-given right for mankind that he created us in his own image, and we need to respect and obey that. The God himself is involved in creating us. We live in a culture where we decide who gets to live and who gets to die. Whether it's a little human being or grown up. We also read the slogan that says, it's my body, it's my right. But we fail to understand who's in the womb, what about his or her right. Given the recent news in the States, the Roe v. We Wade, how do we as disciples of Jesus in Abbotsford, British Columbia, and in Canada, how, we, how do we respond to such event or such issue? How do we do that? If you believe in God who created us, we need to be a reminder what he says in his word, and we need to uphold that. And I want to be sensitive this morning, but faithful to God's word. I understand that there are situations where there are, for medical reasons, or mother's life is in danger, or the baby's already passed away in the womb, but that's not the case in every situation. According to 2020 stats, we had 83,576 babies aborted in Canada. And of course, these numbers are not correct, they're more. BC is the third in the list with 11,934. We should also know that some of these reasons some of the reasons the women choose to abort. 21% due to financial reasons. 21% do not feel that they're ready for responsibility. 16% women's life would be changed too much. 12% problems with relationships or unmarried. 11% too young. Not mature enough and 3% has possible health problem, and 1% pregnancies caused by rape. So we should ask ourselves this question, which is probably the most important question on this issue. Who is the unborn or who's in the womb? Who is the unborn or who is in the womb? Gregory Kukul, a Christian apologist and radio talk host, was watching his talk and he gave this illustration. And he says this, imagine you are working on your workstation and from behind you hear a voice from your child saying, mommy or daddy, can I kill this? Well, you should, before you answer the question, can I kill this, you should ask, well, is it a spider? Smash it, right? Is it your sister's puppy? Well, then, mm, let's talk about But But if it's your sister or your brother, then we need to have a serious talk. Because before you answer that, Can I kill this? What it is that you are killing? Is it breathing? Yes. Then it's growing. So do you want to kill this? The answer is no. Again, he, in his little booklet called Precious Unborn Human Persons, he talks about a little girl named Rachel, the daughter of a family friend of his. In it, he says... Think of a little girl named Rachel. Rachel is two months old, but she's still six weeks away from being a full-term baby. She was born prematurely at 24 weeks in the middle of her mother's second trimester. On the day of birth, Rachel weighed one pound and nine ounces, but dropped to just under one pound. She was so small that she could rest on the palm of her daddy's hand. She was tiny living human person. Heroic measures were taken to save this child's life. Why? Because we have an obligation to protect and care for another humans who would die without our help, especially the little children. Rachel was vulnerable valuable human being, but if the doctor came into the hospital room, and instead of caring for Rachel, took the life of this little girl as she lay quietly at her mother's breast, it would be homicide. However, if the same little girl, the very same Rachel, was inches away from resting, inches away, resting inside her mother's womb, she could have been legally killed by abortion so we need to think that there's a person a human being there's a picture up on the screen what's the difference one's in the womb is it not and one is out the womb who are they they're human they're knitted carefully by God himself, created by God himself, formed by God himself. God himself is involved in every detail of these babies. He's at work creating that. When I was in elementary school, I I remember my mom made me she was making me a sweater, handmade sweater, knitting it. And I remember like, it's, it's, you have to be very patient to do that. Like every time I watch her, she's knitting so, so delicately and carefully. And when the sweater was completed, she handed it to me. I wore it to school, loved it. That image that she's carefully knitting it. That's the image of God. He's knitting so carefully because we are made in his own image. Can I say this? All of us, your parents, my parents, could have aborted us. Yet they chose to have us They chose to have us. So on what basis can you and I or others outside can say that I have this right to abort or to kill this little life? I share this with you because it gives you a small glimpse of who we really are. Now, I want you to Turn your attention to God's word. I want you to know what he says about this. Okay? Psalm 139, verses, verse 13. For you created my inmost being. But what we created for? What is it that we are created for? Psalm 119, 73. Your hands made me and formed me, gave me understanding to learn your commands. We are formed to obey and learn his commands. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Psalm 139 verse 13. Isaiah 44 verse 2. This is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb and who will help you, do not be afraid Isaiah forty four verse twenty four. This is what the Lord says, Your Redeemer, you, who formed you in the womb, I am the Lord, the maker of all things, who stretches out his who stretches out heavens and spreads out the earth by him by myself, says the Lord. Isaiah 46 verse 3, listen to me, you descendants of Jacob, all the remnant of the people of Israel, you whom I have upheld since your birth, and you have carried and have carried since you were born. Jeremiah 1 5. Before 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. And then David says this in 139 verse 15, he says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. That the secret place is referring to the mother's womb. That even there you were the first one, God, who you saw me, you knew me. And you created me. And listen to the wisdom from Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 5 says this. As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with a child. So you do not know the work of God who makes everything the spirit of God is involved in creating in forming this little life and then he proceeds to verse 16 Psalm 139 he says your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be My days are numbered in your book, God. you the one who decides who gets to live and who gets to to die. Nobody else. The word unformed or the formless mass or incomplete vessel. He's referring like even there, when I wasn't even formed, you knew me before that. This last week I was talking to a friend and he was saying that his wife, she wasn't his wife at the time, she was raped. And then there was a family pressure that she needs to abort this baby. But she chose to have this baby. He said that it was two years when he, when he got to know this boy. This kid is old enough now. Mom could have decided because all the pressure she was facing perhaps, and yet she, she chose to have it. It's the God-given right for that baby to live. It's so we as Christian, have an obligation before God to do whatever we can to address and to help with an issue like this. We, as disciples of Jesus, have an obligation to do whatever we can to help with this issue. Did you know that 64% of the women reported feeling pressured to abort? while the majority reported feeling rushed or uncertain. 67% reported they were not counseled. 79% were not told of available resources. And 84% were not sufficiently informed before abortions. And this is why we have a table outside in the foyer by the advocate. Because we believe in what they do. We recently did a bottle drive for them. An advocate has cared for, this is what they said, they said they they, they have cared for almost 350 women in the past nine months who were facing unplanned pregnancy. 22 of their clients changed their mind on abortion and chose life for their babies. So we praise God for those 22 moms. Out of 350, 22. And they have given over 250 presentations to almost 7500 teenagers. Therefore, it is our responsibility to make each other aware of the resources that we have. So if you know someone or if it is you, Been through this, and you've been struggling all this time on your own, you're not alone. You can talk to one of the pastors, you could talk to the advocate people, they got counselors as well. But don't suffer alone in this. So, God knows everything, God is everywhere. And God created us, and finally, David's faithfulness to God. Verses 17 to 24. There's there's a shift all of a sudden. It, it, It seems like that there's a new song just started here. Because all of a sudden, first he's talking to God, you know me, you're everywhere, you created me, and now all of a sudden he says this, starting at verse 17, he says this, How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would would slay the wicked away from me. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who, who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hated for them. I count them, my enemies. Just just think about having a sign now that do I not hate those who hate you? I wonder how that will go out there. Who's David referring to? The enemies. They're against God. And David's like, they're against you, I'm against them too. It's time to pick sides now. David picks sides now. He wants to to make sure that he's in God's counsel because he knows that God knows him, God's for him, and God's with him. So what does he say with, with knowing all of this? He says this in verse 23 and 24. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting he longs to walk in the way that is pleasing to God. He doesn't want to do what he wants to do. He wants to do what God wants him to do, what pleases God. He wants to have this everlasting relationship with God. One commentator write this, he's like we are content with having God near us but preferably not too near. We are reluctant to be known so well because it's scary. There are things in our lives we keep hidden from others, even God, we think. If you really believe in God, do you think you can hide things from him? we cannot escape or hide from the presence of God. Now, as you, you, you hear this psalm and you're like, well, how is this applicable? It's applicable in many ways to us. If, if, you, if you follow this, it, it addresses in, in the first portion, verses one to six, it, it, it's a response to the problem of identity. Who am I? Am I known? Am I loved? The answer is yes. You're loved and known by God. It also addresses the problem of loneliness. I'm all by myself. I want to hide. No one likes me. So you stay behind the screens. You want to do your own thing. You don't want to do anything. You're not comfortable because you feel rejected. You don't have friends. So it addresses that loneliness. It says that God is everywhere. He's there for you. And it also addresses the problem of self-image or self-worth. Am I worth something? Am I valuable to my family? To my friends? And what does David respond? That you are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. Therefore, you have a worth, you are valuable to God most importantly, and then to others. You should know this. And how do we know that we're valuable and we're loved by God? We look to the scripture in the face of Jesus Christ we read in Romans five, it says that while that God demonstrated his love, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is how he demonstrated his love. Jeremiah 31 verse three says this, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. So you loved and cared for. You're not alone. And you are a precious child of God. Do you believe in that? My hope and prayer this morning is that as you ponder on these things, that you be encouraged and challenged and look to God, that he knows us, he's everywhere, he created us. How do we respond now? By being faithful to him. That's what David does. Let me pray. Father, we're grateful for your grace. We thank you for your word. We ask that as we ponder on these truths, who we are, that that you created us, you formed us, and you know us. So would you search our hearts now? And see if there's anything that's unpleasing to you. Would you change us, wash us by the blood of Jesus? We thank you that we can come to you even when we don't feel that we are loved or cared for. You're good and gracious God. We praise you. And we thank you for who you are and what you have done. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen.